I think that sets us up really well for looking at the two texts that we have today. Uh, the first one's going to be 1 Peter 2, verse 9, a little bit of a shorter text, but I'll also be reading Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31, and I'll be looking at it through the, the message, because it's a familiar text to many of us, and I think it's helpful sometimes just to hear it phrased in, in a new way. So first, looking at 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are all a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now Genesis 1, verse 26 to 31. God spoke. Let us make human beings in our own image. Make them reflecting our nature so that they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge. Be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds of the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, I have given you every, short, every sort of seed-bearing plant on the earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree, given them to you for food. To all animals and all birds, everything that breathes, I give whatever grows on the ground for food. And there it was. God looked over everything that he had made, and it was so good, so very good. It was evening, and it was morning, day six. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word, uh, for the light and the life that it brings. I pray that... It speaks to us and that in this message here that we can open it up and see it differently. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I thought I would try to start something new to begin this service, and that is showing a video. I've never done that before. The first thing that happened when I got here, one of the first things, is that I was given a sign-in for Right Now Media, and looking through those, I tried to find some familiar names. Uh, one of the people that I was reading was Andy Crouch, so I thought I'd look at him, and he has this six-part series, Redeeming Work, uh, titled Redeeming Work, and while we don't have time to do that all, that would be kind of lazy on my behalf, uh, we're just going to watch a two-minute section from the first uh, video, and I think it helps demonstrate some of the things that we see in this passage really well. So if, if we can get the video working, let's give it a try. I'm not ashamed to admit that every morning, the first thing I think about is my cup of coffee. I think about how many steps it is to the grinder, um, how many minutes it'll be until I can actually hold that first cup of coffee in my 
hand and sort of the haze of the night and sleep start to wear off and I can start to understand the day and what's going to happen. I think one of the things that I love about roasting coffee and the coffee industry that we're a part of is the, the creation element of taking a green coffee bean and roasting it and creating um, a finished product. My experience shows that as I've gotten to understand coffee more, as we've learned the art of roasting it and perfecting and how to make really the best cup of coffee we can, I see that's a way that we understand how God created us. I see that it is um, this product is something really, really great that God meant for us to enjoy. Good things happen over a cup of coffee. Um, people take time to sit down. They take time to talk to each other. You can't chug a hot black cup of coffee. When humans and creation interact, it's a really good thing. For many Christians, there's a mandate to be a hard worker and be an evangelist in their workplace and spread the gospel and work hard. Um, and for me, that, that just always rubbed me a little bit the wrong way because I, it seemed to be missing something. It seemed to be missing some of the enjoyment that God has given us in this world. And when I saw that I could actually enjoy coffee for what it was, um, and I could be excited and passionate about something that God created. I think there's more power in Christians enjoying creation and enjoying it to its fullest that, that ultimately points more towards God and more towards Jesus because it's, it, it's, a, it's us as his creation living the way that we were supposed to live. So I chose that video in part because I'm a little biased. Um, I've been roasting coffee for the last couple of years, and when I saw it, I was thinking, yes, that's part of the reason why I even started that to begin with. I had taken a course on the theology of food and theology in, in eating and all of that, and throughout that course, we were encouraged to find ways of getting closer to the products that we were consuming. We were supposed to spend time appreciating the process involved in cultivating food, and whether this is gardening, or baking bread, or making meals from scratch, or roasting your own coffee beans. We were encouraged to recover some of the joy in doing those things. And we'd be encouraged to spend time in the kitchen, there's, there's been this movement over the last number of decades where they've made food the easiest we can to consume it. We're, we're removed not only from the process of growing it and, and cultivating it that way, but the kitchen itself, we have these microwave dinners and things that are made immediately available to us. And the, the message behind that often we find in commercials is that we're, we're slaves to the kitchen and we're wasting time that we could otherwise be enjoying somewhere else. And sometimes we, we buy into that idea that there, there isn't any joy in this cultivation of these good things and bringing different ingredients together and making something that simply tastes good and is good for our bodies. And I think this is where stewardship makes the most sense to me. 
I think stewardship's often co-opted with a discussion on how we can give more money and how the church can have more money in its tithing. Or sometimes it's co-opted simply in this thing of ethics, that when we work, we work very ethically, that we do things well-behaved, and maybe people will see that. And while these things are important and they are good, stewardship draws us into a broader thing of restoring all of creation and seeing the goodness in creation. In that, that creation story, as God goes through every day, he calls it good, and at the end of the sixth day, he gives that proclamation that it is very good. And part of being saved people is recovering and seeing the places where creation is broken and to reclaim parts of it and name it as good. This is something that we do with the Spirit working in us. Now, if we look at the word steward, I, there's a little bit of a history to it. The, the history of the name steward is actually from Old English. It's two words put together, stig, ward. Uh, stig just means house, and ward means the keeper of that, like a, like a warden. So you have the, a housekeeper. And I think this is an appropriate word, an appropriate history of that word to understand what being a steward is. Essentially, we're housekeepers. We're not the owners, but we're the people that are keeping the estate. We are the ones who represent the true owner of the property. And when things break down in the property or when things aren't being used properly, part of the role of the steward, of the housekeeper, is to come and say, no, that's not how it works. Or they come in and they fix it and they say, this is how it's to be used. This is actually something that is good and to last and something that we can take delight in. And this is what I saw when I saw David talking about his coffee business, as we just saw. It's not just for the money, He looks at his job and he sees parts of his work that he enjoys. He takes joy in learning the craft. And for myself, taking it up as a hobby, I found that same thing, learning the different varieties of beans, learning the chemistry behind it and the different chemical reactions that take place at different points when you heat them up. And that affects how it tastes. These are places where we can marvel at God's creation, at its goodness, and we can take delight in shaping it and cultivating it. And this enjoyment of God's creation doesn't just stay with coffee, but this enjoyment goes beyond that. It goes into, or even beyond having steady jobs, but this is a call to cultivate this in each areas of our lives, whether we're retired or whether we're students in elementary school or in high school or in college, if we're stay-at-home parents or if we're volunteers somewhere, what ways are we recovering things? What ways can we show that we're cultivating something that's good in creation? So this this cultivating of the goodness in creation comes back to what we were talking about or or what Harriet had talked about already, 
this idea of us as image bearers. We're recovering something central to humanity when we show that we care for God's creation. Because even before the fall, we were representatives of God. Looking at Genesis 1, we see this famous passage about us being image bearers. And in the NIV, if you have it open, the the command is that we're to be fruitful and to fill the earth and subdue it. And sometimes that rule of subduing is, is looked at as dominating the earth and simply using it for our own pleasures. But that's not really what we find when we look into kind of the, the subtleties in it, that we're filling the earth and we're, we're bringing it to its fullness. And the subduing it is much like a gardener where, where we cultivate it, we, we move things around and able that it will flourish When there's things that hinder the growth, we remove those things. We subdue it so that it will be into it or to live into its fullness. It's actually one of the ways that we're imitating God. If we look earlier in the passage throughout Genesis 1, we have God taking a formless void and he fills it and he adds all of these different plants and creatures and trees to it. And then after he does that, he makes something in his own image and he tells humanity to fill this earth and to cultivate it. He states that we are image bearers. And looking at some famous theologians, there's one in particular, N.T. Wright, he looks at this passage and he states that this is the beginning of humanity as priests. That we are to look at ourselves as priests and the the image that he gives is that we're priests, like we're image bearers in the way that a mirror works or an angled mirror. So like an angled mirror, we reflect God's image to creation and we reflect the blessings in creation back to God as we praise him. Looking at Genesis 1, we see that all that exists is God's and God's good gift to humanity. But more than being just God's gift, it is a gift that God makes himself known through it. Creation makes God known through its goodness in its variety and in its fullness. It teaches us things about God. We are to see our living in creation and our being in creation as ways of seeing the fullness of who God is. In our enjoyment of creation and our celebration of the good things, one author speaks of creation as divine love made food. And that's what I had chosen as a title. It's, it's divine love made into food. So that God, out of his love, creates all of these things that we can consume, that we can bring and take in to ourselves. We can absorb and we can be nourished by them. And this stems from God's love. He takes his love and it pushes outward and beyond and he puts it into all of these different things that we can celebrate. So seeing God's creation as God's love made into food 
means that in all of our lives, we're called to find and name things that are good in creation. From the goodness of work, to the delight that we can take in doing things well, or the delight that we might have in simply using our skills, the enjoyment that we have in sharing our gifts with one another. All of these things are taking the goodness that is in creation and sharing it with the world. In the creation story, God names creation as good and he blesses it. And it means that in creation, God has made a way of encountering him. We can remember the phrase, taste and see that the Lord is good. And what then is humanity's response to this? How do we respond? Well, we bless God in return. And scripture is full of this language. We, we bless back with what God has blessed us with. And that's that angled mirror again. God, as image bears, we bless creation, we cultivate it, and then we see the goodness that is in creation, and we point that and direct that back to God as blessing and as praise to him. It's not just a mirror where we can look at ourselves as image bearers and see that we're full of glory, but it's glory that's reflected through God and glory that we direct back to him. If this is getting a little bit too complicated, I have a summary statement for it. And this is from uh, another theologian named Alexander Schmemann. He's got a great name. And he has a, a great book called For the Life of the World. And in the book he writes, the first and most basic definition of humanity is that they are priests. They stand at the center of the world and unify it in their act of blessing God, of both receiving the word from God and offering it to God. So it's, it's in this act of receiving the world from God and as from God and offering it back to God that we see ourselves as priests. Again, this is the image of a mirror. At the center, we reflect God's goodness, we gather that goodness, and we offer it up to God. This is the image of God's love made food. We're meant to consume it, to tend it, to care for it, and enjoy its goodness. And with that, I want to turn to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. This is where Peter is talking and calling for this recovery of this vision of humanity as priests. He looks at all of Christians and he says that we are a royal priesthood. As Christians, we don't simply passively receive the things from the world. We don't simply just enjoy these things to reflect back to us, but we transform them into ways of praising God. We turn our time, our skills, our money, the earth itself, into acts of praising God. And in this passage, it's not just so that we can be priests, but it has a purpose. There, there's a purpose to, the, to calling us the priesthood. And that is that we can proclaim the virtues of the one 
who called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. So as priests, we proclaim the virtues and the goodness of God. One of the things about that passage that talks about being called out of darkness into light is the recognition of darkness, that not everything that we experience in the world is good, that not everything that we taste is going to be sweet and delicious, that there are things that have been made bitter and that have been made sour, that there's pain and hurt involved in our experience of the world. And this is a sign that not all is as it should be, as we had talked about before. There has been a fall. We don't run around proclaiming everything that we see as good because some things are not. Some things are being misused. Some things have been corrupted. In the midst of this, the Christian call is to name abuses, to name the pains and the hurts and move towards healing and restoration. With the vision of the goodness that is in creation, we lament the brokenness and the hurt that we see in creation. And in ourselves, we have this job as priests that is creatively finding healing in the midst of this brokenness and to find the areas where creation can be reclaimed as good. In the message, Eugene Peterson puts the same passage, 1 Peter 2 verse 9, this way. But you are ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him. So embedded in that language of being priests, we're being priests and we're being representatives on God's behalf. We're speaking out for God. And there are at least two sides to this role. The one side is that we celebrate the things that are good. And the other side is that we have to work towards the restoration of things that have gone bad. The places where creation has been distorted. So I see this essentially as a call to stewardship. That stewardship is the faithful call to respond to God as priests. We take the gifts that God has given us and we affirm them as good and use them as they were meant. We cultivate the goodness and fullness of creation and we offer these blessings back to God. Stewardship is often broken down into four different T's. The four T's are time, talent, treasures, and trees. So again, time, talent, treasures, and trees. And each one of these can be seen as infused with a priestly role. First, looking at time. We are priestly stewards in how we use our time. So how do we spend our time? Think back to the example of the video. Is he stewarding well in his job? 
If so, how is he being a priest when he is doing his job? I see the language in that video where of being a priest. He uses his time taking God's good creation and cultivating it. Not that it's always fun and that he enjoys every bit of it, but he's seeing it and naming this process as good, taking something from creation and transforming it into something that we can taste and enjoy, that people sit around and can slow down and enjoy each other's company with. So what do you do with your time? Are there ways that you can do these sorts of things wherever you are, whether in school or retirement or at home or in your hobbies or your workplace? The second one is talents. Are there places where we can step into our priestly role with our skills? I think God delights in seeing us take pleasure in the skills that he has given us. There's pleasure just simply in harnessing and working hard in the areas that we're skilled and developing new skills. So when I took up roasting beans, I wasn't necessarily naturally good at it. I enjoyed learning the types and the roasting process, and I made some terrible coffee. Uh, Eventually, it got a little bit better, and that was an enjoyable process, this learning to do these things and to build skills. So how are we priests in our skills? Do we take pleasure in the good things God has equipped us with, and do we accept it and offer it as blessing? Number three is treasures. And that is looking at our possessions, at our money. How does this Christian vision of us as priests affect that the way that we treat our things? We know that money can't buy happiness, but are we so afraid of the power of money that we do not see the joy that comes in enjoying what we have and in sharing the things that we have? And the fourth and last thing is trees. Uh, When I was looking at these passages and looking at the topic of stewardship, I really badly wanted to start with this really weird environmental analogy, but I wasn't really sure how it would come off because I'm from the West Coast and I know we got a bit of a reputation for being a little granola out there. But... And I've also seen that tension that when when we come off really strong and environmental, people will just kind of be afraid because there's this tension of maybe a, a political alignment with this environmental cause. But that shouldn't detract from the Christian role of caring for creation, caring for the good world that God has given us to care for if we truly believe that we are priests, then we ought to find ways of caring for this world that bring health and flourishing not just, to create, or not just for humanity, but for all of creation. And to finish, I want to say that in all of this message of us as priests, it's a message of salvation 
and a message of grace. At this initial role that we had of priests and stewards of creation was tarnished by sin and that we so often direct glory back to ourselves rather than seeing that angled mirror and directing that glory back to God. But now we can live as Christians empowered by the Spirit. We can share in the victory of the resurrection and bring restoration to what is broken. And we can reclaim the goodness that is in creation. We are to live as people called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And we can show that we are people of light. We look at the various ways that we live in creation. We take the things that we use and we use them to God's glory. From our time, to our treasures, to our talents, and to the trees. May we be people that shed light on the goodness of creation and see it as God's love turned into food. And may we act as mirrors, shining the goodness of creation into, or the goodness into creation from God, reflecting his glory back to him in praise. Let's pray.